Hello and welcome to the Matt Belair podcast. As an explorer of the mind and world, author and coach, I have spent a lifetime learning how to push my limits and achieve my highest potential. My mission is to bring you the most inspiring, conscious, and empowering teachers, leaders, and thinkers on the planet. To bring you stories, lessons, and messages that will help you master your mind, body, and spirit. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. What's going on, all you beautiful people? Welcome to another outstanding episode of the Mastermind Body and Spirit Show. We have the man Adam Roa back on the podcast, and we are talking about the intersection of art and personal development. Adam Roa is an amazing artist. He is a spoken word poet, and since last time he was on the show, one of his poems went super mega viral and was viewed 180 million times. And, uh, you know, so there's been a lot of change in Adam's life and a lot of perceptions of how people think his life is now. So we dive deep in this podcast and uncover and go into a lot of different topics. We talk about art as technology. Um, We talk about self-worth and self-love practices. We talk about the three tools for self-worth and self-love that are really effective. The shock experiment, entrainment, supporting others um, with your action, money as energy, and so much more. This is a fantastic episode. I know that you're going to enjoy it. If you do like it, please take a moment, share it on Facebook, take a screenshot, share it on Instagram, tag Adam and I, let us know what you liked. If you have any questions, um, you can also leave a review in iTunes. Leaving a review is super helpful and really helps get the word out there. I want to thank Brian Jakes who left this one and it says, mind, boss body, spirit, food. Matt is an engaging speaker. He doesn't bore you one bit and has infinitely interesting guests and conversations that really get you to think beyond your boundaries and inspire wonder and a sense of potential and optimism. It's not all roses, but it's about looking at life with open eyes and an open mind. Thanks for all the content. Thank you for leaving that review. It helps immensely. I really appreciate it. Um, But the best thing that you can do If you like the show and you're hearing this message, just do one kind act out in the world you are living in right now. Do one kind act for another human being today. All right. This episode is brought to you by the brand new Mastermind Body and Spirit Academy. We kicked off today with a 21-day challenge. People in the group, they're ready to go. Super excited about it. There's some incredible people in there, including former guests. We are kicking off the Academy with this amazing challenge, and you can join at any time. The videos are going to stay in there, so you can walk through at your own pace, but it'd probably be better to get in there earlier to engage with all this energy that's happening. We're going to motivate. We're going to encourage each other to grow in all the areas we'd like to grow, and I'm going to take you through the process of what I do at the beginning of each year and I've taken many clients through to get really clear on what it is that you want and how to make the most out of 2020. So I invite you into the into the group. Um, check it out at mattbelair.com, um, on the email list, on Instagram. It's all around. You can find the challenge or go to bit.ly forward slash mind body spirit 21. Would love to see you 
in there. Uh, for those of you guys who are more interested in one-on-one -on -one coaching, you're looking to uncover your life purpose, you wanna break through limiting beliefs and program and design your preferred reality mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and in all ways, and you really wanna just demystify peak performance, the law of attraction, all of that esoteric stuff and dive deep, hit me up, matt at zenathlete.com. I would love to work with you one-on-one. -on -one. Just let me know who you are, what you're going for, and we will make it happen. So that wraps it up. Thank you guys so much for listening. Oh, also, if you want to support on Patreon, thank you so much to all my patrons. You really help keep this show going. Uh, go to patreon.com forward slash Matt Belair um, and just toss something in the bucket that you wouldn't even think about. Even if it's a dollar, honestly, it helps so much. So thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, so let's get into this amazing episode uh, by coming into a state of peace and coherence. Wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath and just let it out slowly, filling every cell, every muscle, and every fiber of your being with peace, joy, contentment, enthusiasm, and ready to take on this amazing episode with Adam Roa. Hello and welcome to the Mastermind Body and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. Today's guest is an internationally touring artist and speaker who was listed by Goalcast as one of the top 33 game changers to watch in 2019. His viral poem, You Are Who You've Been Looking For, has been viewed more than 180 million times. He is a talented author and artist. Welcome to the show, my friend, Adam Roa. What's up, man? <laughs> What's up, Matt? Yeah, long time, doing? man. Good to see you. It's good to see you, bro. And you're in your stomping grounds. I'm here in Toronto. Yeah, dude. Well, it's been awesome because uh, you were coming to town. You were invited to Speaker Slam, which I didn't know anything about. It was an absolutely fantastic event. So I got to go there, uh, hang out for the day, watch you do what you do. I never have seen you do it live. And I've seen the viral poem, which everybody has. It's amazing who are, you are, who you've been looking for. You just dropped an album. But what was really special is watching you perform live and just the authenticity of the day events and what you decided to do just for you like it was just like just your thought of like this is who I am this is what I need to do um, and I'm gonna go do it and I'll let you talk about it but I was like I was like oh yeah that doesn't seem so bad but then as I looked at the event I was like that is some ballsy work right there man so <laughs> it was very impressive it came out well and uh, it was a treat to watch you perform it thank you yeah I mean uh, for people who aren't aware, Speaker Slam is this um, monthly speaker event that's judged like American Idol, basically. And then there's an annual finals where all the winners throughout the year come and compete. Uh, and, and there's big prizes that are, that are awarded at the end. And so I was invited to be the kind of guest performance and one of the judges. And I had some, you know, the theme of the night was conquered. So I knew that what they were going for was, you know, how do you conquer your fear? How do you, how do you step into your, your purpose, your passion? How do you embody that? And I have a poem, a few poems that could fit in there. And one of them, I am enough that I just wrote. And, and I knew I wanted to share that one. And I had some other ideas about what I would talk about overcoming adversity, like all this stuff. And then the truth was that the previous few days as I was gearing up for the launch of, of my new album permission, um, there was a lot of things that were just kind of falling through the cracks. I didn't feel like I was doing a good job. I didn't feel like I was enough. 
I felt like I was being a bad leader, a bad business owner, a bad, like I just felt as if I was doing a poor job and I was judging myself and it felt inauthentic to go up on stage and just tell people anything but that, <laughs> to be honest. And um, something that I've, I've done, that was probably like the fifth time I've ever done it. And I've never done it on a stage like that because that was 600 people or so in the audience. And it's to do it all as poetry, to essentially make up the poem and the poetry on the spot and never know how to, to talk about it. Like, how do you talk about a subject of the last few days have been really hard and I wanted to be authentic when I came up here. And like, how do you tell all of that while making it all rhyme as a poem and have cadence and whatever? And um, I didn't know how, I, I honestly don't actually know what I even said because when I go and when I, to, in order to do that, I feel like I can't be thinking about the lines. Um, so I, they don't process through my brain in the same way. And so you would have to tell me like how, how it went. I think it did. I think it made, I think it, I know it rhymed. I think it had a, a flow to, I think it had an arc to it. I think it did. I think it was good. Let's put it that way. Yeah, man, it was, it was really good. Uh, yeah. It's, it's super interesting that, you know, you said a couple things there, like, uh, you know, you, you weren't feeling worthy or enough or like congruent, even though we, when we were in Toronto, we were talking about, you know, your poem going viral, 180 million views, which is an unbelievably astronomical number. And, you know, what people project onto you then, oh, because you've gone viral, then this means that, right? And you're, you're the same guy before, you know, this is your third time on the show. You're, you've been the same guy the whole way through. And, and luckily, you've had this um, opportunity to share your work, which is what I see is like sharing your work and growing as an artist and evolving in a very congruent and amazing and authentic way. And so to watch you do that, as, as it was coming up, I was like, oh, man, I was like, this is some ballsy work. And it was, <laughs> it was amazing. And you had, because of that, I think, some really authentic lines and some really great words that came from a place of allowing yourself to just be present and say what you were feeling, what you were thinking, aligning it with how you like to express yourself, how like how you like to um, show up in the world. And one of my favorite ones, I don't know if I'll get it perfectly, but you said something along the lines that if I'm being authentically me, everything is worthy of the stage. And all that audience was was people who wanted to be speakers, who wanted to conquer what they were doing. And I think that everybody in the audience heard that. And I think the overall arching message was whoever you are, as long as you are being you, that you can come up here. You know, this isn't special. I'm not this crazy thing that's, that's different. Like just be who you are. That is enough alone. And you did it. You said that through different varying ways in a very beautiful way, and it came out well. Then you went into your poem, and I was sitting besides, I was in the audience, and some guy's like, Man, that guy's good. I was like, Yeah, he is. I like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that. It's, it's funny because someone actually recorded and posted on Instagram that actual line. Um, so I do know that one, which was, um, uh, something, something, then every word or every, every word that you say is worthy of the stage. Every word that you write is worthy of the page. Um, and I was like, that is good. I'm glad someone recorded that. I, I'm sure someone recorded the whole thing. Uh, it, it'll, a goal cast recorded the whole thing. So um, I, yeah, to me, uh, thank you for all the, for that. I, I believe that um, 
all of our gifts. So I truly believe like everyone can sing, everyone can dance, everyone can play instruments. I, I just think that it's innate in us actually. And I feel that the process of um, learning and being able to do amazing things is really more a process of getting out of the way and remembering. Um, I remember for myself when I learned to play the handpan. Um, that was when I thought I wasn't really musically inclined at all. And I was at a festival, lightning in a bottle, and I was with a big group of people and we walked into one of these, you know, constructed building hut things and there's this sound and I'm like, what is that amazing sound? And I look over and this dude is playing this instrument I've never seen before. It looks like a spaceship. I'm like what's going on? And I just sit down next to him, like just staring at it, just enthralled. And he looks over at me, he goes, do you want to play it? And I said, yes, please. And then I, I take it and I start to, to play it. And everyone I was with, there's like eight people later said to me, looked like you were remembering how to play the instrument as opposed to learning how to play it. It was really a transcendent experience and I played it well and I thought it was just an easy instrument to play. And then when I got one and I had a friend come over, they had seen me, you know, how quickly I just was playing it and like whatever. And they came and tried to play it and they couldn't even really get it to make any sound. And they said, this is a lot harder than, than, you made it look. And that's when I realized oh, I really was like remembering how to play that in some way. Like it, like I just knew how to do it. And same with getting on stage and making it up. And it, like people say to me all the time, I, I would never be able to do that. And I said, yeah, you would. It's just a matter of trust. There's something that the last person to say that um, I asked, what do you do? She said, she's a hairstylist. And I said, could you talk for 15 minutes about hairstyling? She said, yeah. Would you need to write it out? She said, no. It's like, great, because you trust that you embody hairstyling, right? And so that's the thing. I trust that I embody authenticity and I trust that I embody love uh, to, the, like, to the deepest degree. And that's where, you know, you say I've been the same person and yes, and I feel like I've opened up into a version of myself that is so heart-centered, um, that I, that I now believe that about myself. So whether I was acting that way or not before, I now believe that I embody the message of choosing love in every moment to the best of your ability. Um, and because of that trust, I feel like I could go up there and be me because I love myself enough to do that and trust that it'll be enough. That's a great distinction, man. And I'm glad you brought it up because the evolution, I think it's the evolution of who you are and what you're intending to bring in the world. Like your path is clear and we continually evolve and grow and ideally become more of that in which we're trying to embody. So for your, and your vision, you were congruent with what you wanted to bring forward and who you wanted to be. And I'm curious because you seem to have a natural affinity for art and speaking. I've noticed in the world that when somebody wants to be an artist, they want to get on stage. It's one of the biggest fears of people is to speak in front of people. Also, if you're an artist, whether it's painting, whether it's music, whether it's any form of art, people are very resistant to share it with other people because they're afraid of what people think. They're afraid of being crap. And I'm curious if you can offer some words of advice for people who want to share their work or they want to express themselves through art to 
get it out there because I find that it's the people who actually have talent and are good at it that are super resistant. Like I could make a painting and post it because I know right now I suck at painting and I just want to express that. But if I felt like I was good at it, I would need to, you know, keep doing it, keep doing it. And then it'd be like, Hey, here you go. Now it's good. And I feel like art is supposed to be experienced and processed and expressed. Like I do martial arts and that's what it is. It's an expression of the way I use my body, the way I understand it. And so I'm curious if you can speak on that. Yeah, it's a really good point. And I think that the, the reason is because as you put more time into something, which is generally what you'll see when you get good at something, when, when you put time into it and you start to feel uh, like you're getting good at something. Um, that's where you, there's a level of the identity, a level of the ego that starts to associate with it. Like I, Oh, like you, if you paint and you think you suck, it's because you don't think of yourself as a painter. You think of yourself as someone who like sometimes tries to paint something, but the moment that you've been doing it for a couple years and some people have told you that the stuff you're making is good. You're like, Oh, maybe I am a painter. Like I'm a painter now. I love to paint and it becomes a part of the identity in a way. And so when that happens now, we have uh, the backfire effect, which I'm not sure if you're familiar with that term, but the backfire effect is um, basically when your uh, identity is threatened, um, it, your brain, the amygdala in the brain reacts and responds neurochemically the same way as if you were being physically threatened. And so the, the response in the system is one of like a physical threat whenever we feel like our ego, our identity is being threatened. And so I think that uh, that's what happens. You know, the moment that my poetry went really viral, it was, oh, like now I'm seen as a poet. Like, you know what I mean? Like now that's how I'm seen. Um, luckily, I'd already, I'd already had people I'd been doing it for so many years in so many ways. And when I'm not just talking about poetry, I'm talking about putting myself out there. You know, I moved out to Los Angeles to pursue acting and that, that was the leap into, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm willing to put my, and every time you go to an audition and you don't get the part, it's like, they didn't like me. They didn't want me. It was, it's just facing off with rejection over and over and over again. And if we can, if we can, as, as humans, if we can see rejection as an opportunity for growth uh, instead of some sort of statement about our worth, it will completely shift the, what we are capable of doing uh, with our lives. A hundred percent, man. I was just taking notes and I speak about it a lot and a lot of uh, great let's say peak performers or uh, flow state coaches or whatever you want to call them, sports psychologists, mindset, all of that, they'll talk about reframing failure. And when you skateboard, it's 90%, 99% failure. And uh, so understanding and being able to reframe that, but people don't want to fail. They want to be perfect right away. And if you can engage the process and see it as learning, it, that one tip alone will transform all of your life. And what I want to ask you is you've just released an album and you talked to me during the day about it. And I, you know, I didn't realize, you know, I, I follow your work and I didn't realize how much heart and soul and effort and everything you put into it. And so now the launch is coming up and I'd like you to talk about uh, some of the tracks. I've heard some of them. They're absolutely phenomenal as I would expect. Um, I 
heard uh am i allowed to talk about the musical side uh the, i don't know how much of it you've heard Did, well what, the, no i just heard one music track which i thought was amazing i don't know if you're it, weird it, like that it's just oh that's not even on the album that I know. Yeah, that I know. A whole different... So it's like you've got this amazing piece of work, and then there's other work that I've heard, and all of it is is fantastic. So I'm excited for uh, this to get out there because the the album right now is amazing, and your evolution is pretty amazing to watch. I appreciate that. This is the I was just showing the album art. Look at that. It's dope. Permission. And when we when we did our interview, it's funny because you talked about how um, I think it was Mind Valley redid that and shared it, and then. Uh, people were busting your balls because you're wearing that big hat and like, oh, this guy is uh, talking yeah. about money. He's wearing the hat. And I'm watching you in this like uh, little spirit hood. burning spirit hood thing. <laughs> Look, it's so ridiculous in your track pants. So I was like, he was like, the guy's got two hats. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, th- thank you. The, the album is called Permission. And it is, wow, it is, it is the... I don't know if I've ever poured this much of myself into to a work of art like that. I mean, I did my YouTube show, The Art of Choosing Love, which was a consistent, this is just me. And I, I definitely put, I would say, more time into that because it was for a year and making this show while, while traveling is a, a reality show about my life after a breakup, basically. And um, But this this album, Permission is and your audience will love this like i it's a it's a a medicine album it's an, it's an album that was made consulting with five different plant medicines and in different ways like ayahuasca told me to make the album and that was against the advice of several of my friends who said you're not even a musician how you don't go on tour you don't how are you ever going to make that investment back like what that's a terrible decision and um but ayahuasca told me to do it, so I did it. And then I knew that I wanted it to be more than just music tracks. I wanted it to be an experience. I wanted it to be a journey. I wanted it to make an impact. And so what could I do? And I went down and I did a two-week aboga initiation in Mexico and uh, sat with the medicine of aboga in my system on six different occasions and asked the question, how do you want to speak on this album? How can I turn this into it? And literally in the medicine, about to pass out basically, got the download that I wrote into my journal, uh, like two words, just this is, this is the, the story. And then I, you know, like I, I, it, it required me to go into the depths of, of my own shadow and the depths of my own light to, to make this. And it's even using the word album, I, I, I struggle with because I can pretty much guarantee that nobody has heard anything like this. I've done listings of this around the world now. Um, and there's probably been like two to 300 people in total who have heard this album. And, um, I have every single person says the same thing. I haven't heard anything like that before. And it's combining my spoken word poetry with original music composition means we went into studio for three months played the instruments in studio and people think of poetry with music as like this kind of meditation music bed while you say the poetry no 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 this is like there's a hip-hop track there's a dance track there's like a rock piano ballad like it's real original music composition and then between each of them are these one and a half to two minute interludes of, of story and personal development that create this cohesive journey that takes you on, on 
uh, into your inner child and the divine masculine and, and talks about things like war and money, how, is, how people view money and how the lens of perception creates our reality. And most importantly, how it, it empowers you to understand how you are the creator of your reality and how you can shift it in, through self-love. And um, I think it's a new genre of personal development, truly, this intersection of art and personal development that that I am so thrilled to be putting out into the world. It's, it's currently available for pre-order. Um, it goes live on December 3rd. And um, so for anyone who wants it, the, the pre-order is a discounted price. And the last thing I'll say about it is it's intended to be a ceremonial experience. It is a ceremonial listening experience. And so many people have gotten um, weird, I have weird ideas around what ceremony means. They hear that word and they're like, ah, but, to me, ceremony is combining our action with our intention. And so you can turn your meals into ceremony. You can turn your, your sex into ceremony. You can turn your conversation, these podcasts. We took, before we started this, people don't know, we set an intention and we took a breath together. Like we turned this into ceremony just by setting that intention and taking that, that conscious breath. And I believe that when, if we could connect people back into the power of intentional ceremonial living, it's going to also make a huge difference. And so when you get the album, there's a PDF that comes with it with just simple instructions for how to create ceremony. And I even have a limited edition 111 ceremony boxes that I created specifically for people who want all the tools like inside is a custom candle, custom matches, custom journal, custom pen, uh, some ceremonial grade cacao and an essential oil blend that was custom designed and made specifically for this album. And so everything that you need to create a ceremonial experience, not just for yourself, but hopefully you invite your friends and family to come and listen to it together and have conversation around it. And so there's a lot of thought and time that has gone into this and that to speak to your point to bring this full circle there's a huge part of me that has uh been very nervous about releasing this uh because i i don't know how it's going to be received i don't know how it's going to i know how the people in my bubble receive it you know i know how the people who have you know bought a ticket and come to one of the listening events that will receive it but they're the people who would be willing to buy a ticket to come to one of my events what about those people who just hear about it and get it what about that the, the kind of quote unquote average person who's never heard of adam roa who who hears about this album and gets that there is some nerves to that and and i'd be lying to say there's not and i'm hopeful that it's received in the way that i i want it to be and my work is in letting go of any attachment to how mm. Well, I love how you frame it as the intersection of art and personal development and part of personal development, if not the most important thing is if you're going to be educating someone or trying to help them, let's say they're going to come to your seminar, Tony Robbins, or whatever the case is, you go to a spiritual guru or something. The idea is to be able to transform is to change. If you want to lose weight and you go to a lose weight seminar and two months later, you're the same weight. It's not ideal. And it's interesting that the way that you're viewing this is how can I help them take action? How can I create themes that we're all experiencing, um, create a perspective around the art? Because when I go to a personal development thing, or even I'm teaching, it's funny because I look at your work and I think about it because if I'm teaching or coaching, I'm kind of like straightforward. We'll talk about personal development. We'll talk about these different themes. And there's always a resistance to that because a lot of times people just don't want to be told what to do. They need to be ready for it. So in the way that art 
can do it. It's, it's almost hypnotic in a way because they're being entertained, but the message is behind. And even you could say the words directly, but in that different format, it allows it to kind of get back past the critical factor, like the conscious mind, because you're experiencing the entertainment of it. And then you mix that with the other ideas of, you know, the journal and things like that. It's an invitation to take action. It's an invitation to look at your life from different views, from just sharing your authentic experience. And I think all of that makes for a, a powerful uh, listening experience and also um, just view of the entertainment and personal development industry all together. Yeah, I think that art is a technology. I, I believe that art is is a technology as old as humans. You know, maybe it was granted to us by the the aliens that came down and seeded something. Who knows? But <laughs> the the I see uh, a world around me when I look out the window downtown Toronto. Like I see a world that is. Um, through supply and demand has evolved into a system that is providing people so many outlets to numb so many outlets to not feel the the depth of sadness anger and pain that so many people feel and that looks like the form of the chemicals put into the food and the refined sugars and the fluoride in the water and the uh, pharmaceuticals and the the types of media that's out there and like it is it is literally even like the three second like when you go to a giant like a Michael Bay movie and every cut there's a cut every three seconds it's to keep you just dun 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 and there's no stop there's no presence if the brain keeps going like that there's no stop there's no stop. And in that presence, what's happens when, when, and so many people struggle with meditation because when you just get quiet and you just sit, all of the stuff that's under the surface, you're going to become aware of. And if you spend every second, which this is not an exaggeration, wake up, reach over, pick up the phone on the phone. Great. Go throughout the day, get ready, blah, 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 driving to work. You got the radio, you got the music, you got the phone call that you're on. You go to work, you're, you're at work in between, you're on your phone. Then you, go, you, then you go back home and you do the thing and blah, blah, blah. And then you put on the Netflix and you, you watch the thing until the very end of the day, you're getting ready for bed now, you're on the phone and then you put it by the nightstand and you go to sleep. Like legitimately, every moment being filled, where is that opportunity to actually feel what's going on under the surface? And- it's a combination of people not feeling safe to feel those things, not knowing how to process those things. So for so many people were not, you know, taught. My parents didn't teach me how to healthily handle my emotions. And um, so there's, there's an aspect of allowing ourselves um, to, to feel those things and, and do it in a safe way and be held through that process. And, Art is the permission slip to break through all of that. Everyone who enters into a movie theater is going in because they want to feel something. Everyone who's listening to their favorite album is listening to it because of how it makes them feel. There's nothing quite like art that allows you to get people to feel. Complete strangers show up to your, your poetry performance wanting to feel something. And I... I think that that is technology. I think we're biologically predisposed. And in personal development, one of the key facets to understand is we heal when we feel. It's when we allow ourselves to feel that the emotion moves through and we start to shift at a deep state, scientifically even at the limbic brain level, you know, we, we shift our, our belief systems through, through these 
these emotions. And I, I just see art as, as the highest leverage move. <laughs> the logical part of me just goes, if you want to impact the masses, do it through art. Because like you said, there's a, if I go on stage, if I had gone on stage and said everything that I wanted to say uh, at Speaker Slam the other, other night, yes, there, there's going to be people who resonate and there's going to be people who hear it and they're like, this guy's telling me these things and they're filtering it through a different lens. But the fact that I'm making it rhyme and it's a poem, there's a permission slip that they've given me and they're, they're like more invested in it all of a sudden. And so I just think to me, it's, it's a combination of I have more fun creating the art. Like that's more fun for me than writing a speech um, is to put, find a way to put it into music or film or poetry. And uh, I think it's more effective. Yeah, man, I love all that. And I love the idea as art as technology. And I 100% agree with that. I think that it is. And you shared something that makes me think that the way that society is going, it seems like we're becoming more robotic, more 1984, you know, not being connected to your emotions. That's what makes us human. It's very important to understand your emotions, not react from the emotions, but understand them, to feel them, to move through them. Because what's kind of happening here is that we're becoming more and more disconnected, uh, more and more sad, melancholy, anxious, depressed, because we don't know how to move through all of these challenges. And when you shared about your parents not teaching the, you these things, the interesting thing is that we have never experienced a reality like this. Things are moving so quickly that we're the first ones to experience it. Before that, our parents and our parents' parents, it, it, it kind of was the same thing for a while. They had slight differences, right? You, you would evolve. But since the 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010, 2020, what's happening in the world of change is happening so fast. So we're kind of experiencing it for the first time. And it's up to you and I are a little bit older, but it's interesting now because you look at 10 year gap now between, you know, a 30 year old and a 20 year old, but now it's getting even bigger where it's our, our faster, like a three year gap could be a, a whole new meaning of apps and interpretation of the world and understanding and, and their cultural values and their experiences. It's a wild thing. And we really do need this, grounded presence we i feel like we're we're moving more into an artificial world right i don't know if you talked about this or or we did it on your podcast but or i heard it or the idea doesn't matter the idea is like you go and uh, oh yeah it was one of the speaker slam speakers it's like when we're kids right and you have a tough time at school then it's done right you have to deal with the bullying you're afraid to go to school and it's all done now it's all online you, you have this whole separate idea of who you want to be and anything bad that might happen is stuck there and people can comment on it and you can just get ridiculed all of the time. And so that would be, that one. <laughs> yeah, I would be, yeah, that'd be such a challenging experience. And I'm curious because I know you've been working on it a lot. What's your advice for the actual self-love to have that actual worthiness? I know you've been working a little bit on that and it's interesting to hear even when you talked about your speech, just saying, hey, I've had this success. If you're an artist or you're a creator, 180 million views, I'm like, yeah, then I'm worthy, right? Woo, I'm worthy now. It's all good. Everything is hunky-dory. I'm now successful. And that's not the case because, yeah, it's an experience, but you still are you and you're going to deal with however you are as a being. Yeah. And, and it's funny because just 
a week and a half ago, I was looking at hundreds of comments of people insulting me on a video that got shared on the internet because for some reason they didn't like, I was wearing black pants, a white t-shirt and my hat, uh, which, which was um, custom made for me and I really like, has a lot of meaning and it's a little eccentric. And so, uh, but I definitely got uh, like ridiculed for it. I got attacked for it. I got called names for it. It's like, what is going on right now? And my approach to that was one where, um, you know, I, it's not like I wished it didn't happen. You know, there was a part of me that went, I, I wish these people heard the message. The video was about, was my, was my poetry saying like, you are enough, you're perfect. Like you don't need anything. And yet here I am getting attacked by people for this message and went, wow, how interesting. They can't actually even hear it. They don't care about what I'm saying. They're judging what I'm wearing. How interesting is that? And I took that to mean, just a sign, like a reminder from the universe of just how needed that message actually is. You know, they say in the marketing world, they talk about um, you need, what, three to seven impressions to make a sale or something like that, where people who are going to buy from you outside of your really warm audience, and, and uh, this is something that I've, you know, I don't know very well, so excuse me if I'm misspeaking, but essentially they need to see you or your ad or a piece of your content between three and seven times before they're going to be motivated to take an action on that. Um, and so uh, I think about that in the same way when it comes to a message of self-love. Like, okay, they, they need to receive that message in a way that they're actually like noticing it and acknowledging it three to seven times before they're even willing to cons whatever that next action is, which might be don't insult the person saying it, like whatever the action is. But um, I think that it comes down to self-love. I think that for whatever reason, what I was saying was, was something that triggered them enough where they needed to like essentially react in a, a defensive way, right? They go into fight or flight and they fight in that moment through an online comment. And so what is it that, that I did that put them into fight or flight when I'm talking about self-love? Well, then clearly, the, the, I mean, no one insulting me is insulting me because they love themselves. I don't, I don't believe that. I believe that that was a projection of the part of them that didn't love themselves and needed to bring somebody else down to feel better. And it's, it's, a it's, become, it's, it's, it's so funny, Matt, because it's become my, my brand. It's become my message. It's like loving yourself, self-love has become the message. When you have a poem get almost 200 million views about self-love, like it kind of becomes your message. It's the universe saying, hey, by the way, this is kind of your thing. Um, and I wrote a, a book recently. It's, it's a free book that, that I give away. People, if you can go to adamroa.com if you, if you want the free book. Just pay for the shipping. It's called Treat Yourself Like Someone You Love three tools to make self-love easier because once the poem went viral, I got messages every day and I still get messages. I would say probably five or six of them a week um, from people asking the same question, which is how do I actually love myself more? I'm in this situation. How do I love myself in this situation? And I, I realized I didn't have anything tangible to just say here. I could say, you know, go listen to my podcast you, I talk about this or I could say, you know, here's a suggestion, but I was, 
I was scrambling and I finally said, let me just make, let me put my tools, my three tools in, in something. And those tools, I, they're not secret. They're meditation, journaling, and physical movement. Those three things, the, the difference about how I wrote the book and how I approach basically everything I do is no one listening to this is probably surprised by, by those three tools, you know, like they've heard of them before. But it's the lens in which you hold those in that is the key to shift. Because if I tell you that meditation and journaling and physical movement are the three foundations of my self-love practice that have changed my life, and you've heard that before, but you aren't doing them, then it's, it has nothing to do with the exercises themselves. It has to do with the lens in which you're viewing them, right? Like you've heard of meditation before. Why aren't you meditating? You hear the scientific benefits, the, the physical medical benefits, the spiritual benefits. Like why aren't you meditating? Instead of me telling you more of the benefits, let, let's take a look at how you could shift your perspective of, of meditation. Well, you heard about physical movement. I'm not just talking about exercise. I'm talking about just physical movement. You know that exercise is good for you. Everyone on the planet knows exercise is good for you. So if you're not exercising, why aren't you exercising? How are you viewing exercise that is, is causing you to still choose not to do it? And so that's the, the perspective I took when I wrote the book of just like, let me help shift the lens as opposed to trying to just tell you this is how you should do it. And that's where I think self-love comes in is in, instead of judging ourselves because we're not doing something or we are doing something, uh, we love ourselves enough to just say, like, let me understand why. Let me understand myself. Let me understand more of what caused me to take these certain actions because when we have that awareness, we have the choice to shift it. Yeah, man, those are three great tools. And I find that all of the stuff that works is very simple and it can be challenging for us to do when you're talking about, you know, people ridiculing you mostly because what you wear, it makes me reminded <laughs> of the idea of like hurt people, hurt people. And that's something I learned through martial arts. You know, when I'm out in the world, nobody that is whole and having a good day is going to be a total a-hole or try to fight me. Right. That's a, that's, that's an insecure young naive thing to do. And it's because you're trying to defend who you are, or whatever stupid stuff, or you're having a really rough day and you're looking to take it out on someone. If you're whole as a being, there is no reason to be doing that. And I'm also reminded of the mob mentality and crab in the bucket. Once kind of people start to get on something and beat somebody down, you would think that there would be compassionate people to help or support. But what actually happens is when group think happens, we turn into mob mentality. And there's amazing work by Darren Brown. And he does these psychological tests on people through these whole experiences. And one of these shows he has, people in the audience are asked to kind of do like a vote for what happens to the person. And so people are voting during the show of this person who is supposed to be real and doing real things, right? And very quickly, they start voting for bad things to happen to them till eventually the last vote is cast. And, and the interesting thing is they're all wearing a mask. So everybody in the audience is wearing a mask, which is essentially online. Everybody's wearing a mask, right? They're not, they're not present. They're not responsible for their actions. They can kind of hide behind a, a computer and a screen and, a, and this false identity or whatever you want to call it. And so 
at the end of the episode, they, they vote, right? And the person ends up getting hit by a car and everyone's like, oh my goodness. And luckily it was staged and he came out and was just like, this is what happens when people are anonymous, when you start to go into groupthink because it was voted 50, right? If it was 51% the positive thing where he could get this reward, win the lottery, get a gift, they kept voting for the terrible thing. So group think and group psychology is important to consider here. And it makes it even more important for you to be the whole person to figure out like no matter what's happening outside in the world to develop that practice of worth and love. So that way you're not kind of affecting other people as you navigate your day. And, and the question really is why, right? Like to me, I go, okay, we kind of know that. We know that like that what was the experiment, right? where the this was an old one where they told them okay if you press this button it electrocutes the person in the other room and they couldn't yeah. see it but they could just hear it right yep. and they would keep turning up the voltage and the person on the other side of the room wasn't being electrocuted it was just reacting and like screaming yep. and these people just kept pushing the button. They kept pushing the button. And now if they're sitting across from this person, are they pushing that button? Probably not. And if these people are, are, aren't wearing the mask, are they pushing, are they voting for that? Probably not. So I go into, okay, what is that? Because I'd like to believe that for myself, I'm not voting for someone to get hit by a car, no matter if I have a mask on or not. I just like, that doesn't entice me at all. And I, I see that in a couple ways, actually. I see that in the type of like content, like movies. I used to, like, I can't consume the same type of content that I used to. Like really violent movies, I, I can't. I remember um, distinctly, I loved the first uh, 300 movie like I loved it and then they made it a second one years later and I'd gone through you know my awakening and I was so conscious about the media I was consuming and I went into that second movie and I left going what did I just watch like I feel like that was dark there's so much gore and violence like what did I just input into my brain and that was in the span of a, a few years you know three or four years that that shifted and I think that um that's an indicator for me. Okay. Like if I'm the person who's going to go into the violent movies and not think twice about it, well, that was probably a version of me that could have, you know, pressed the button, you know, the anonymous button, but for somehow, some way it shifted for me where I truly believe that I would never wish that on anyone. I just wouldn't. Um, and, and, you know, maybe that's a bit naive, right? Because we get into that mob mentality, we put those masks on and every single one of those people would probably say the same thing. I would never blah, blah, blah. But um, I, it is what I believe. And I, I, I base that off of evidence of what I see in other areas of my life. And I'm just curious, do you know what it is that is that, that thing? Why, why when anonymous, it's like the shadow comes out as opposed to uh, the, the ambivalent angel? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I'm not really sure what it is. I know for the the experiment we're talking about is called the Milgram experiment. And one of the things they were testing was authority. So a person in a white jacket was coming out and telling them to shock them. And what they found was that people would shock them to a voltage that would actually kill them, even though they were screaming because someone in a white jacket was telling them that. And I feel like 
that has something to do with the mob mentality as well is we're so quick to do what the mob does because what happens in olden times if we don't assimilate to the group we're going to be ostracized and i feel like that is what everyone is really afraid of that they're going to most people are going to move towards whatever the group decides because it's safer that way and it's old programming i don't know what part of the brain it is some it's biological you know, it's absolutely it's, biological it's the safest place to be is with the pack yeah there's another one. I, we talked about it a little bit in Toronto, and I thought it, it was a little bit different than we were discussing. But some was saying in the in the room before you guys went on stage, like when you're in an elevator crowd of people, look look to the back, right? But interestingly enough, if an, if there's one person that comes in and three people are facing the back of the elevator, people will turn around because they they won't know why they're doing it and they'll just turn around. That's partly because, well, maybe those three people know something, but as soon as we start to do something in groups, it's very fascinating how people will change and they'll even let go of their values. And so what if we use this in a positive way? What if we transform that and we get enough people really embodying values that are of service, that, are, that have virtue and that are stood behind with strength? Yeah. And that's my view of leadership. I think one of the biggest disservices that we've done um, collectively as a society is really overvalue leaders and undervalue supporters, selling people on the idea that somehow if you're a follower, you're a sheep. And you know what I mean? If you're not a leader, you're, you're somehow less worthy. Like if we had, if everyone on this planet was a, a leader in that, the sense of the way that it's talked about, nothing would get done. Like it would be, a, this society would crumble so fast. And um, if you look at nature, and, and I think it's important as human beings, we recognize we are just another species of animal on this planet. We are not separate from nature. We are nature. I see the, the, these downtown skyscrapers as our beaver dams. You know what I mean? Like we're creating it. Are we in a symbiotic state with nature? No, definitely not. Um, and not everything is right. Like the, the caterpillar is not until it becomes the butterfly, you know, and, but, but it goes through a chrysalis process of essentially dissolving and becoming an entirely new thing. So you could make the argument like a caterpillar in no way is symbiotic with, with nature. Um, and like, I, maybe we're a caterpillar, you know, like the Joe Rogan I, on his podcast, I hear him talk about this concept of like, we are in a cocooning phase, a caterpillar phase of consuming, consuming, consuming until we birth the next iteration of human beings, which might look like artificial intelligence, like, you know, go matrix level, but um, where we, we no longer need to consume even the physical resources and we can just live on this planet as, as, you know, uh, robots in a way with consciousness uploaded into what we're building with this e infrastructure of technology. Um, that's a whole different rabbit hole, but like my, <laughs> I, I, what was I saying? Oh, leaders. And so my, my thing with leadership is I see, uh, it really simply actually what we're talking about with mob mentality. I refer to also just as entrainment, right? Like getting pulled into a dominant field and, um, I see leaders as people who are more likely their constitution is, is holds more of their field, their, their entrain, their vibration, um, relative to the external field than supporters who are people who are more apt to be pulled into the dominant field. And so 
when you talk about mob mentality, a leader is someone who's just, and this is like, again, going back to nature, when you look at an ant colony or a beehive or what, or a wolf pack, like there's one queen in, in the, the colony. There's one alpha in the pack. Like there is, there is the leaders are rare. So that for me means that as human beings, the, the types of people who are more likely to hold their vibration when, when in the presence of a dominant mob vibration, that those are rare. And not everyone should feel like they should be a leader. Like embrace the, the fact of the supporter. And, and that's why, like that's, that's so necessary too. If every ant was a queen ant, nothing would, they would all go extinct. And so I just see uh, that as being a disservice. And I also see it as, I recognize that that what we need is the leaders who can hold their field to be willing to do it and and supported in doing it and and do it at at the highest level because the leaders will set a new field. Does that make sense? Like you and I um, tend to be more of that quote unquote leader personality to hold a field so that in a mob mentality situation, I could see each of us being like, all right, hold up. Everyone stop. Like, let's just take a moment. Everyone take a breath. Like, you know what I mean? Like hold that while everyone else is, is, is getting all wired up. And, um, we just need all of those, those nodal points on the planet to, to, get on board with the message of self-love, self-awareness, and hold that field so that people can entrain into it. Because here's the thing, it's more enjoyable. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a more fun way to go through life, like having deep friendships and feeling love and, and enjoying this experience. So I believe that human beings want that. I believe they, they want it, but for so many years, primarily because of the control of, of mainstream media, the leaders have been shown, showing a way of enjoying life through materialism, right? Through, through sex. And, and when that, that became the dominant field, the entire planet, especially how early that became the dominant field and when mainstream Hollywood media became the thing that spread all over the planet, like that became the field that everyone got entrained into, especially with a new technology. People didn't understand what's happening. They just got entrained into it. And now what's the, the difficulty we're facing is that we are trying to shift not from like a neutral state. We are trying to shift from an old frequency into an entirely new one with this new age spirituality, with this, this elevating human consciousness, with that movement um, we're shifting. And so it's going to require a number of things. It's going to require people who are, who have that leadership quality to hold the new template and the new paradigm and this new way of, of, living or viewing, which is an old way, but still, and it's going to require people who understand how to utilize modern technologies to, to help implement and infiltrate into mainstream culture in, in the Trojan horse, like the way in which people are willing to receive it right now. If you are one of those leaders who just is, is going to go onto the mountaintop and speak from the mountaintop and, and that sort of thing, that's great. But if you don't have a social media platform, 
you are, are you're going to miss a huge percentage of this population. It, it is just implementing that and integrating that into modern times and accepting that. And that's where like, where I sit. That's why I, I do what I do and created the album and the various things is like recognizing we get to meet people where they're at and invite them in and create a bridge to where we want to go. Man, there's a lot there, especially around leadership. What I really think is that leadership needs to be reframed. And when you're saying all that, what it makes me think about is like the idea of the YMCA, you know, that's a direction. So the YMCA is this organization and there's a bunch of leaders there. I can go there and volunteer and use that existing organization to put my time and support and energy towards something that has already been built. And when we look at the leaders that we have today, I wrote about this recently, it's like people are supporting materialism and these leaders are being built and it's more around entertainment and it's more about consumption because they want you to buy a whole bunch of stuff. They want you to feel less, they want you to buy stuff. And our leaders are like Kanye West. Although Kanye has actually been saying some um, pretty cool stuff like here and there. They say he's like off his meds or something. I don't know. There's something wild going on with album? that. Uh, no, I haven't. I know. I remember listening to like the little pump song and being like, this is the worst thing I've ever heard. It's so bad. It's like, you're a, you're a hoe and I love it. Repeat it, which is hypnosis, which is degrading, which is all of the different things. But on stage, he'll say, other things like, you know, don't listen to the mainstream. They're like, he's off his meds. And there's a whole conspiracy world in there that I kind of dabble in a little bit. So I'm curious. You <laughs> but, you know, I think, I think my thought about it is being a humble leader. For me, the real leaders, they're not on Instagram. Some of them are. But the real leaders of the world are like the people who volunteer, that uh, person that's always there to help you. My friends that show up to move your couch, that to me is, is an, we have all of these humble leaders in community and so many people, they want to be on the stage, they want to do this. So they're willing to kind of shape these different things to get to this thing. It's like, say, I am a leader. Now, there's twofold because if what you're doing is naturally progressing that way and that's what you want to do, that's fantastic and have some values. When I wrote Zen Athlete, the hope with that is to have the athletes that understand that sport is more than just about competition and beating the piss and winning about that other team. It can be about community, personal development. And when I look at the UFC, it's kind of a really good example about the distinction I think that you're kind of sharing. It's like you've got one champion, George St. Pierre, who's kind of trying to embody what a martial arts is and being a good human. And you've got other champions that are more embodying the primal carnage, beat the crap out of someone, which is not necessarily bad, but with the society, you can then vote on what is the ideology? What is the thing that you'd want to kind of cast your ballot on in the same way we're always casting these ballots. So you could go and buy some Patagonia or you could buy some stuff that you know that is, uh, you know, maybe some slave trade or, trade or whatever. So with that leadership role, I think that we're looking at all these options that exist, whether it's music, whether it's art, whether it's what we buy, whether it's what we uh, give our money to, really that's it, at that at the end of the day is what we're giving our money to and just supporting that a little bit because you talked a little bit earlier about like the what, I, what they refer to in Buddhism as mental nutriments. So you can watch horror movies all day or you, know, you could cast the vote and say, you know what, I like what Adam's putting out. I like his message. I'm going to support that. I'm going to vote for that. And like, that's like, you know, because you, when you create something, you're a leader automatically because people can then cast a vote for it. 
right? And so ideally what we wanna do as individuals is vote for people with ethics, vote for people with a message, vote for the things that are sustainable, vote for the things that are gonna be in cooperation and harmony with the whole. And that way naturally people like Gandhi, you know, give our, our positive messages are gonna to rise to the top and the things that might not be sustainable, that are, that are disruptive, that are, um, they don't hold virtue or value, will just naturally, you know, go to, go to a less influential level. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot in there. I, I would say um, the, the piece that's key for everything, because I know we're winding down on time, is recognize that money is just a representation of energy, right? It is, it is, it is a placeholder that represents energy. And so when you think about it in that way, you get to ask yourself, where are you flowing your energy? Like, what are you putting your energy towards? Knowing that energy, right? Like something that has more energy, more life force, more, it's going to grow and build. So if you're going and you're, you're going to those movie theaters and you're paying for the horror movies where everyone's getting killed and, and these things, okay, like that is you putting energy into that. And everyone else who's going is putting energy into that. Do you, want, do you want more of that on the planet? Like, do you think that that is what we want collectively? Okay, if you don't, then why are you putting your energy into it? Same with like the types of, of food that you're buying, like, and clothing. Like, I, I've stopped going to the, these places, like Urban Outfitters and these different things that, where I know that that stuff is made in conditions where they, um, you know, I would be, I would be saddened to visit the types of places where that, that clothing is being made. Um, it would, it would hurt my heart. And, um, some of the videos like I've seen even just, and the, the types of dyes they're using that are ruining our clean water supplies. Like people don't even realize like that, that fa like factory made, um, dyes and everything for those, those big brand clothing stores. That is a huge contributor to the, the rapidly declining clean water supply that we have on this planet. And, Anyway, my point is if every time you go and you buy something from there, it may look cool because they're great at following trends and like they know how to, to, to work that psychology, but you are putting energy towards the destruction of clean water. You're putting energy towards the restriction of fair labor in, in developing countries. You're putting you know, energy towards um, just agricultural things of how like the cotton's grown and stuff that, that it sprays tons of chemicals. Like there are so many aspects to this that you're putting energy towards, which means you are feeding, which means it is growing and we get to cut the energy supply off to the things that we are saying it's time for this old model to die. It's time for, you know, we get to cut the umbilical cord and say, okay, what do I like? I like fair trade. I like, uh, organic. I like, um, you know, things that, that have, uh, meaning beyond just profit things that, you know, the Tom's model has a lot of flaws to it that we've figured out since the Tom's model started, but, um, it's, it started with really great intentions. And so then 
we say, okay, those great intentions get to be rewarded. Like that's a great idea. Like let's start putting money there and we just continue to evolve. But just like if we had a cancerous cell on our body or a wart or something, it's like, let's cut off the energy supply to that thing and allow it to fall away and continue to just, just nourish and put energy towards what we want. Yeah, man, a hundred percent. I agree. I agree. Completely. And it reminds me, have you ever heard of what an egregor is before? An egregor? Egregor. No, I don't think so. So an egregor is like this occult concept that like, let's say uh, you build a corporation like Coca-Cola. You know how mm-hmm. they call it a corporate entity? It's yeah. like the group mind. It's like the influence. It almost becomes a thing of its own. And that's why these old institutions like the government, like religions, like a uh, corporation, um, you know, the Patagonia egregor is very different than the nike egregor it would be like the spiritual thing and once it becomes institutionalized very hard to change because all of those traits and all of those things are now moving and what it wants to do is it wants to survive and so it's very important that we stop feeding it because it needs food and the food is our money and that's kind of how all of this thing is is based on it's it's money and we're feeding that so having those choices and you know leadership to kind of go back on that you know you created something and that's like the work and the message is you're a gregor it's like the spirit of it right you're 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 flawed like everybody else you know you've got good days you got bad days you're human but the work and the intention and what you focus on creating is like this is what i want to see more of in the world i can do it in this way and then people i can sign up i can buy the album and say i enjoy that and automatically you become a leader in the same way if you're in the world every single day when you're kind when you do an act of kindness you've become a leader for everybody who sees that you're already there you don't need like this next thing if you want this stage and you want uh be be an author you want to start a clothing company and that's your thing go do that but each and every day who you are that's the leadership for everybody sees you uh every everybody who sees you as you navigate your life and when you do work, when you find right livelihood, when you find your passion, when you move towards that, that's when other people can sign up and support that message. So I think that what you're doing is great. And I support that message. And um, man, this has been great. I know you got to go because you're in a hotel. You got to check out. You got to check out of my hotel. Keep the keep moving and nomading around the world. (laughs) Yeah, dude. Well, is there anything that you wish that uh, I had asked you or that you want to leave the listeners with? This has been great. Uh, no, man. I, I always enjoy these, these deep dives. I'm sure there'll be a fourth one at some point down the line. Um, and I'm excited because, uh, in a few weeks, your, your podcast interview where you came on my show, the deep dive that will be, um, live. So I'm excited that that's kind of like our fourth one, right? Yeah, like, man. It's yeah. just on my, on mine. Um, no, I would just let people know that for everyone who's interested in anything that, that I've shared or the, any of the things that I've, I've created, um, you can go to adamroa.com, A-D-A-M-R-O-A.com. And that's kind of the hub that would lead you to my Instagram or YouTube channel or podcast or to get the album and, and the, or the free book or, or anything else. Like um, the album right now is, uh, yeah, my heart and soul is in that thing. And so I encourage people, if you want to see 
what's possible. Like, just like, I really do think it's an innovative approach to personal development using art as technology. Um, and my hope is that one, it's shared, it's, it's creates impact. And two, that it inspires other creatives, other personal development, um, influencers to look at ways in which they can innovate their own message. And so, um, if you're interested in that, it is on pre-order right now. Um, it'll go live on December 3rd. Um, and just, yeah, I, I appreciate you having me on the show, Matt. Yeah, dude. Well, this is what I'll say. I just watched you perform in Toronto. And if you go to Goalcast and look, uh, look up You Are Who You've Been Looking For, you'll see that amazing poem that you've made. I invite you to watch that poem and take a look at what that message is. After you see that, then go to Adam's website, check out the, the album. And if it resonates, if you want to support that egregor, that message, that intention, then buy the album. We're so resistant. We, we kind of talked about this a little bit before. People are so resistant to pay 10 bucks to anything, but the independent people, you said you put all of your time and your money and how much that investment was, you had to bet on that for yourself about that message. That's not a big company. That's not millions of dollars coming in to, to do this. This is like, this is who I am. This is what I believe in. This is what I want to share. And you did that. And I feel like if people want to support you, um, they should do that. And I almost frigged up because after I was in Toronto, I sent you the message say, Hey, send me a download of that, that thing. And I was like, no dummy, you know, support them and buy it. So I'm putting my energy in that. And if we can do that and support those messages, that's how the people with the positive messages that we support can kind of grow because it is very, I don't know anybody that's just getting a whole bunch of money to do that. My cousin's doing something similar right now. He's making a, you know, a comedy film, but doing it all with his money, right? But he spent years refining his craft. He's so funny. And this is the way that he has to do it, but we can now do it independently if we put our heart and soul in it. We believe in it and we invest in it. And so that's when people have an opportunity to support that. And I hope that they do. You want to say something? Yeah, I just want to say, and it comes back, you know, the karmic wheel comes back. So like, just to let people know, like you came to the Toronto Speaker Slam before you did that, you, you drove down, we jumped on my podcast, right? And then you gave me a ride to the venue, which would have cost me probably like 30, 30 Canadian dollars or whatever to, to get there. <laughs> but, but, and like, I was like, so appreciative that I was getting right. And I was like, well, yeah, let, let me, and let me buy you lunch. Right. And then, then you bought the album. And like, if we were to really look at it, like we probably ended up drawing, like it wound up being the same. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Like the value that I give a value I get when we look at it, even because it's not just financial, it's, it's energy, but neither of us showed up wanting to take, it was like, Hey, how I can support you. How can, how can I show you? I, I love you and value you vice versa. And it wound up in that small microcosm, probably evening out, you know, and not just evening out because we both left. I'll speak for myself. Like I left being like, man, I really love Matt. Like I'm excited that I feel like we just got a chance to deepen our friendship, deepen our connection, drop in again on the podcast, help spread hopefully this value to people. We got to live our purpose. Like we got to do all of those things while amplifying each other and like financially it all comes around and so just letting go of the scarcity mindset and saying yeah i'm gonna buy this person lunch oh i'm gonna give this person a ride i'm gonna show up and help move this person's couch like whatever it is putting energy into other people is is so valuable and i really appreciate the the way that you show up and support and i appreciate everyone who's going to ultimately buy the album um or get the book or anything else i i love you so much and um hope that all of you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day.
Oh man. Well, thank you for that. Yeah. I really appreciate it. And it's hilarious. Cause I just rem- remembered I had come and I had a journal that I wanted to gift you. I was buying one. I was like, you know what Adam would like, this is a productive productivity journal. I gave you the journal and you're like, that's funny. And you give me a journal. So immediately we're like, even, you know, just like, Oh, that is hilarious. And so we've just continued that. And when you share that, what made me really understand is that um, when two people are actually helping you both grow, there's a, there's a, study or something where like you do tug of war and you measure 10 people individually, but 10 people collectively is like 30 or 50% stronger. It's something ridiculous. So I think that as we feed energy to each other, we're both growing. We might have like, let's say a hundred video game points, but when we support each other, we're both at 150. And it's interesting how rare people will take like how many listens you get on your show, how many people view your thing to take an action, even just a review, something totally free. My close personal friends. So showing up is important and uh, I appreciate you, man. So thanks for coming on the show. Yeah. Much love, brother. Have a really good rest of your day too. You too, man. We'll be in touch. All the best. Later. Peace guys. Thanks for watching. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the absolutely phenomenal Adam Roa. He truly is a very special human being. He is incredibly talented at his art and what he does, and he's moving into music, and I'm super excited about that because all of his message is really about empowerment and uh, honesty and authenticity, and I really love it, and he really embodies it as a human being. So, so grateful for his work. I am so happy that he is growing, that he is... Um, his message is getting out there because it truly is positive. So go check out his work, share his videos, support Adam. He's truly an amazing guy. So if you want to support him in this show, please uh, share the interview where you can. Let us know what you think. Tag us on Instagram at Matt Belair at Adam Roa. Let us know where you're listening. If you have any questions, we would love to hear from you. I would like to invite you to the all-new Mastermind Body and Spirit Academy. We are launching right now live with a 21-day challenge. You can join at any time. The videos will be in there. And this academy is really to bring you the cutting-edge tools in personal development, spirituality, biohacking, and all of that kind of stuff because you want to sift through all the baloney and find what works. And that's really what the academy is about. You're going to get exclusive training videos, meditations, Q&A, masterclass, and so much more. Would love to see you guys in there. So um, yeah, just go to mattbelair.com or go to bit.ly forward slash mind, body, spirit, 21, and we will see you inside. Thank you guys so much for listening. I appreciate you. I'm wishing you all of the best in 2020. And let's come into a state of peace and coherence before we close out this episode. Wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath. And just let it out slowly, filling every cell, muscle, fiber of your being with peace, joy, contentment, enthusiasm, courage, love, inspiration, and ready to take on this amazing day that's ahead of you. So thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.